This is Power for Living, the Bible teaching ministry of Christ the King Church in Wakefield, Massachusetts. I'm your host, Feliciano Segundo, and our teacher is Father Michael Carl. So get all your Bibles and let's get started. Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 through 11. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, these are called the Beatitudes. And he says, blessed, 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 blessed. Well, if you look at what he's saying there, he's saying, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And then, skipping ahead, we look at, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Now, mourning and persecution are those two things that you normally associate with blessing. It's not a trick question. No, you usually don't think oh, mourn, you know, and because we think about mourning, that's M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, not the sun coming up, but the mourning kind of thing. Now, we usually think that's sad and depressing and, you know, like, how can anybody be blessed when they do that? And so, contrary to nature, and contrary to human nature, these beatitudes are what we would fairly easily call countercultural. Anybody know what that means? Yeah, going against the flow of culture, okay? Because normally we don't think of sadness or persecution as blessing. And so everything that Jesus says in these Beatitudes is totally against human nature. It goes completely contrary to what we're thinking about. Now, so let's take a look at the first one. Blessed are the poor in spirit. You know, we totally need the Lord. What this means is, we are sensitive to the enormous gulf that separates my creaturely nature from God's divine nature. And we have to also admit that Jesus was right in John chapter 15 when he said, apart from me, you can do nothing. You see, that's poor in spirit. You know, it's we have to come to the place where we admit 
that we are spiritually depleted. We have been run dry. We are at our end. It's like we are a washcloth or a sponge and somebody has taken us and twisted us to the point where it's really tight and all of the moisture has flowed out. That's poor in spirit. And so what Jesus says here is that blessed are the poor in spirit because if you are willing and able to admit that you are at wit's end and your spiritual life and your spiritual fuel tank is completely drained, you are blessed because God will fill it up and make up the difference. And there is a set of what's called the unbeatitudes. So the opposite of this first one is wretched are the spiritually self-sufficient for theirs is the kingdom of hell. Yeah, because if you think you are spiritually self-sufficient and can do all of those things that the Lord requires on your own strength, it should probably say, blessed are the delusional. Because if you think you can walk with Christ the way we're supposed to on your own strength, you are like out of your mind. Right? Yep. Now, Next, Jesus says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Mourn. Scholars disagree and are at odds over whether or not this means being sad over a personal loss or distressed by our sin, or that we're distressed by the way of the world, or all of the above. See, comfort comes from admission of need. So if we are able and willing to go to the Lord and say, God, like the previous beatitude, I am drained, I'm at wit's end, I am so worn out, I can't take any more of this. God's comfort races in and makes up the difference there where we can't do it he can. And so that <clears throat> mourning here means that we realize the status and the stature and the condition in which we are. And we then will be comforted by the Lord. The next one is, blessed are the meek. <clears throat> now, how many of you would remember a comic strip from about 30-something years ago, called The Better Half, featuring Harriet and Stanley Parker. Now, they're walking into church, and the pastor has put, the meek shall inherit the earth on the signboard out in front of the church, and Stanley says, remind me to be more aggressive. What does that mean? It means he didn't want to inherit the earth. Because he could think, why do I want that? You know, because if you look at the condition the world is in right now, would we want to actually inherit this? Probably not. So anyway, meek means someone who is not self-centered. Someone who is 
not full of themselves, someone who is really basically humble. Now, T.W. Hunt writes about the difference between humble and arrogance or pridefulness. Humble people exalt others. They are primarily other-directed, first upward to God and then outwardly to others. This, by the way, is basic to mental health. The mind of Christ is a robust, active, and healthy mind. Proud people are inwardly directed, and this is dangerous to mental health. The scribes aggrandized self. Jesus warned his followers, beware of the scribes who, are, who like to walk around in long robes and love respectful greetings in the marketplaces and the chief seats in the synagogues in places of honor at banquets and for appearance sake offer long prayers in public. These will receive greater condemnation. Parenthetically, we should note that false humility is unhealthy. By false humility, I mean a self-degrading attitude that does not see God's greatness as the primary basis for our humility. This false attitude is full of self-pity. Oh, woe is me. Nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. I'm going to go eat some worms, you know. This is someone who is so consumed by themselves and their perception of themselves. Like, I'm so dumb. I can't do anything. I don't have any talent. I, 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 I. And the reason this is false humility is because, <clears throat> excuse me, every thought coming out of their lips is about whom? Themselves. That's not humility because you're all still, you're still completely all about self and not other directed. You know, and T.W. Hunt continues to write, I have known people who are incessantly reminded family, who have incessantly reminded family and friends of their self-sacrifice. Sometimes this doing without ended by costing others extra effort to accommodate the humility of the person, people like that are really self-centered. Don't you know how much I have done for you? That's what that would sound like. Oh, you don't know the sacrifices I have made to take care of you. Oh, 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 oh. You know, and again, that's all about me. Everything is all about me. Okay, now, true humility does indeed sacrifice itself, but it doesn't cost others. Real humility is an attitude and act of the will. Genuine humility grows out of a faith in its greatness of God and a confidence that God will act. It is a life of faith and rests in the finished accomplishments of Christ. True humility is able to love because it genuinely is other-directed. And humble people enjoy seeing other people succeed. And don't say, 
That promotion should have been mine. You know, it's, yeah, you made that? Oh, that's awesome. That's true humility when you can actually lift up somebody else and not think about yourself or what you think you should be deserving instead. So, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. In the inheriting the earth here, it's not the earth in its present condition. It's the earth in the new heaven and the new earth where we inherit the kingdom of God. Now, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness sake. Hunger and thirst for righteousness. You're blessed. You'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. You love righteousness more than you love food. Now, that sounds totally opposite of what some of us live for. Because I had an uncle who one time said, some people live to eat. I eat to live. There's a difference there. And they can't pass by the great window of a, some restaurant that has everything displayed in a display window in wax figures, so you, you don't eat those. But they look at that and say, I got to have some of that. You know, and you dash right on in and get it. Because you do love food more than righteousness. And so that's, that's what that means. We love righteousness more than we love food. And then it says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. Which, <clears throat> which means, don't lash out. Don't be so critical of other people. Don't be so quick to condemn other people who fail in things that you think they should have been able to do. Because that's not showing mercy. Well, I'm just trying to encourage them to do better. No, you're not. You're trying to make yourself feel better about yourself because you can do that and they can't. So that's not mercy. Mercy is being gentle with people. It's being willing to forgive really easily and you are not verbally abusive to that other person. Now, next is blessed are the pure in heart. Now, what does that mean? And it says, they shall see God. Pure, it comes from a Greek word meaning, or the Greek word katharos. And what that means is, it's without blemish, clean, undefiled, and pure. The word describes physical cleanliness, ceremonial purity, and ethical purity as well. Because sin pollutes and defiles but the blood of Jesus washes the stains away. So blessed are the pure in heart. Now that word katharos, the Greek word, is from where we get the English word katharsis, which means healing, to be purged of all evil and wrongdoing. It's where we get that good word that says, you're going to be okay because you've been cleaned up. Now, it's also someone who harbors no secret sin. Oh, yeah, I hope nobody figures that out, you know, because God knows. So you're not going to harbor any secret sin. Your heart is given completely and fully to God in such a way that nothing else can get in. Nothing else can make its way in. Now, blessed are the peacemakers, not passive to do anything to avoid conflict. It's imagine 
in this case, imagine Jesus telling the Pharisees, oh, that's okay, guys. That's not how that works. So the one who confronts a problem to bring about a solution, that's a peacemaker. It's the one who works for real reconciliation. And as such, we become more Christ-like. Now, blessed are the persecuted. That's a tough one because we can't think how blessed we are if we are being persecuted for our faith. Blessed are the persecuted because it says theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Think about Acts chapter 5. At the end of the trial, the apostles are beaten by the Sanhedrin and they leave the place rejoicing because they were found worthy to suffer for the name of Christ. And then, yeah, well, you know, that's pretty tough. And you see, 1 Peter 2, 21-23 says, Jesus left us His example. While He was being reviled, He didn't return that accusation. He just kind of let it go over His head. Now, take note that bless, verse 11 is an extension of verse 10. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you. Does anybody know what revile means? Abuse. No, it means verbal abuse of someone. It means to verbally abuse them. And it's, this isn't someone who is just critical. This isn't someone who just calls somebody a dirty name that, or insults you. This is someone who will verbally abuse you to the point where you will want to go back to your house, crawl into a corner someplace, crawl up into the fetal position, and cry. That's, that's revile. It's sort of like in such a way where you can imagine a dog that will tuck his tail under his back legs and slink away. That's to revile someone, is to browbeat them and tear them down to the point where they feel like they're about this tall. That's revile. And that's something that when we are reviled, someone who's that way to us, where we do want to slink off and crawl into a corner, the Lord says we're blessed. Because rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So let's remember our task is to follow Christ and to reflect Him. And so if we want to have the mind of Christ, we need to be able to show the world these characteristics for Christ and His kingdom. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's edition of Power for Living. If you happen to miss any of our other programs, be sure to go to our podcast page at ChristTheKingNorthShore.Podbean.com. And you can also visit our website at www.ctknorthshore.org. If this program has been a blessing, feel free to let us know. Write us at Power for Living, Care of Christ the King Church, 4 Railroad Avenue, Suite 309 in Wakefield, Massachusetts, 01880. Or you can also send us an email at ChristTheKingNorthShore at gmail.com. You can be a part of this gospel ministry by becoming a patron of Power for Living. You can find out how by clicking the Become a Patron button at the top of our podcast page. That's it for this week, and until next time, remember that Jesus is your Power for Living.